Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome. So I'm just jumping on briefly before we go into our main podcast this week with Serena Yankson, the mid-career mentor, who is fantastic energy. I really enjoyed talking to her and I hope to work with her in the future. So that's all about the mid-career, which could be some of us. You might be helping others with their mid-career or it might even apply to you. I just wanted to let you know a couple of housekeeping points. One of them is the fact that next Monday is Easter Monday and we figured you'd be so busy eating your Easter eggs that we wouldn't drop an HR Uprising podcast episode on that Monday. And the same is the case for the bank holidays in May. So if you find that you haven't seen something arrive, that's because we're just giving ourselves the breathing space when the bank holidays are on. Everyone's very busy um, to allow us have a little bit of a break in terms of our generating of the podcast episodes. However, of course, if you want to go back and listen to previous episodes, um, there's 150 odd of them. So you can definitely go back and do that if you um, feel like you're missing out. I'm sure there's plenty of things you can listen to. Um, The other thing, however, to let you know is that uh, we will be in the meantime doing some open demos on our new product, Actus 360 Now. So if you've ever considered using 360 feedback or want to find out what it is or how you could use it and demystify it a little bit, um, then you might want to join one of them. Uh, I'll put notes in the show notes, but basically there's one for in-house um, people professionals and that's our 360 open demo on the 21st of of uh, April, sorry, at 12.30. And then the following week, we've got one for independent HR training consultants. And that's at on Tuesday, the 26th of April. If anyone's listening to this after either of these dates, we run them quite regularly. So go to the website, access.co.uk. You'll be able to get hold of them there. And we also have recordings. So if you're interested in knowing more about 360 and the sort of thing you might want to use it for is, let's say, developing your leadership team. It might be you want to embed your culture, um, your values or something like that, or maybe you're building career paths or doing it personalised development plans. It's really quite versatile. So if you want to find out more about how you can use that, that's um, we will cover that sort of thing in our open demos. And actually, if you want to go back to episode 134, I actually talk about how you can embed a 360 um, process in your organisation. So that particular podcast was on that topic, should it be something of interest. So that's all I wanted to let you know. Do enjoy this episode with Selena and look forward to being in touch again soon. And as ever, thank you so much for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week we are talking about a topic that I think I hadn't even thought about until I met this lady. So I'm delighted to have Selena Yankson on the podcast and she's going to talk to us about mid-career mentoring. 
So Selena, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what we mean by mid-career mentoring. Hi Lucinda, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, mid-career is, a, is really an experience rather than a time. So most people believe that they are in mid-career from sort of 25 to 35 and then they're in their late career. But actually, it's an experience. If you've been working since you're 18 and you and you suddenly decide, oh, at 30, you want to do something different, then you're in mid-career. It's usually for people, people would describe themselves as being in mid-career when they have more than 10 years of experience. Um, they will also describe themselves in mid-career when potentially they've got to a, a point in their career where they are, they've had um, a level of success. They could also be running teams. They could be in leadership. But also as well, in within that time, they're then plateauing and they maybe want to move on or move out to something else. Because so that's, that's interesting. You're, almost, you're, in, you're kind of almost at a point when you're expected to know everything almost because you've kind of got that success under your belt and, and things. But I think that's an interesting angle I hadn't thought about before. So you, feel, you can start to get a bit stale. And as you say, maybe feel like you're plateauing, maybe get a bit bored. Yes. And I think also as well, when you get to a level in a company especially these days because the structures are very flat so there aren't all the stages that there used to be maybe I don't know 15 20 years ago when there were really when you were moving on that 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 ladder as it was always described as is, is the ladder but now yeah. it's a much flatter structure a lot of managers find themselves only maybe three steps away from the CEO position so where do they go what happens to the next what you know the path is not always clear so what what is happening now with people is that they're moving out yeah. to get to the next level. And that's not always possible. So even though they're moving out, they're effectively possibly doing the same job, but in a different organisation, maybe with a different title or with more staff or less staff or whatever it is. But they're doing essentially the same thing. So that's, has, that, that flat structure has now caused people a problem in terms of where do they go next? So they can't necessarily see the journey upwards if they want to, and maybe they don't want to. And I wonder whether it's exacerbated by things like COVID, because people at this stage have got the skills, if you like, to maybe be self-sufficient, maybe set up on their own, um, do, do something slightly different. And given we're in a climate where retention is really tricky, because these people have got lots of experience, that's quite painful for organisations potentially, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the pandemic has literally pushed this to the front and centre of the um, HR agenda. These people who are in mid-career are often the people who did, you know, fairly well within the kind of confines of the pandemic. In other words, they were already set up. Mm. They already knew their job. They already had the skills to either work in a remote environment. They didn't need to be micromanaged. They just got on. They took on extra workloads. They were juggling multiple things. They were able to work under pressure. Those people have a lot of skills. When you're in mid-career, mm. these people often have a lot of skills. So that group then grew and they decided, look, is this it? is there more and now with the pandemic you know remote working technology everything is now caught up and these decisions have now accelerated so there is a mid-career advantage for these people now and these people are also very highly skilled yes. but if they're not being um, motivated if they suddenly feel they're plateauing if they're not learning and they feel they're in a what I call unfortunately a cut and paste situation you know, they're just going through the motions of their job and they're not sure about the next pathway, then this is when they're at risk of leaving. 
Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I mean, in terms of your role, you're a mid-career mentor. Are you? Do you mentor people in organisations or? I do both. So yeah. basically, I help organisations to. Uh, you know recognize this group and also talk to this group and that can be anything from really discovery finding out what they really think Um, as much as employee surveys are great they don't necessarily get to the bottom of all the people who really don't really want their opinion um, made public and so often there's a lot of silent dissent as I call it and those people will then just move themselves out of a out of an organization and you won't have a chance to get them back so my job is to go into organizations and help people identify what those uh triggers may be and help companies organizations to you know put fixes in place um in terms of the actual uh, mid-career professionals i help them to basically do a career map you know get unstuck and move to the next point and also as well to allow them to really look at where they want to go I think there's a an element where also when you're in mid-career you have responsibilities you know you may have family caring arrangements you know children young uh, teenage children children going to universities there's a lot going on within mid-career so that set of people unfortunately have a lot of pressure on them as well to, to maintain the status quo so what they really want is not necessarily what they say they want because they're looking at what everybody else expects of them. And my job is to draw out what people really want and really allow them to rediscover their passions, you know, put that into a career plan and, you know, move forward in something they're going to enjoy and, you know, reinvigorate their career passion. And I mean, so that will come to that as well, because I'm thinking, how can you is there, is there a risk if there isn't somewhere to go on a career path? How, how else can HR, if someone's listening from HR and they're thinking, oh, but there isn't really anywhere to take people in terms of a career path, how you can still retain them there. Uh, I think that would be an interesting thing to, to explore. But I suppose it's just what you wanted to emphasise this, that I hadn't thought about this until I came, until we met, that this is actually an area that typically as an HR professional, they're thinking, OK, retention, you think about putting mentors in for um, you know, the graduates or new starters or apprenticeships, and you, you know, and you think about training people up who are more senior in their career to be mentors. But somehow, it, I don't think it was well, certainly didn't occur to me in my role when I was internal about this particular group, this mid-career group. So it's quite a, an interesting insight, I suppose. So I'm hoping to to our listeners that actually this is something we should think about. And there's probably a knock-on because these people are also likely to be line managers so if they're motivated and engaged engaged and fulfilled that's going to have a knock-on to other people as well so you are kind of benefiting twice if you invest in these people yeah absolutely and and remember there are key leadership programs in lots of organizations but sometimes the mid-career professional can just be just under that so they're actually not getting that level of attention companies don't necessarily now do the old-fashioned career planning because they assume that that talent is there, they can buy that talent in. And therefore, a lot of people get uh, disgruntled. They don't see that career path as clearly. They're competing with people outside who sometimes are just parachuted in. Um, And therefore, also, they're not willing to wait as well as long. They're not willing to wait for the old expression, dead man's shoes. You know, Mm -hmm. if I've worked 15 years in a company, I would expect to be going on a, a certain career trajectory. But actually what ha- tends to happen is you become part of the woodwork. Mm. And sometimes people don't realise how great you are until you've moved on. 
Yeah, and um, it's giving a voice to those skills and and yes. keep people moving. From an HR perspective, really, what makes people want to leave is lack of recognition. You know, lack of opportunity, and lack of training. And those those things coupled with, you know, poor benefits or benefits that don't really fit the mid career lifestyle now that people are having. Uh, and, rec and real recognition of those things and allowing people choice in terms of their benefits that they really want. It's not now those benefits need to be shaped by the employees, not necessarily by the company. You can't just put a package in place and just say, you know, obviously beyond the pension. But, you know, things like flexible days off, caring days off, you know, a ping pong pool table is not going to cut it anymore. Three lunches. People don't necessarily want that. They're not turned on by that. They want time off. They want wellness. They want to look after their mental health and the mental health of the people that they are they are around. These people already are burdened with responsibility. So they need time for themselves. They need time to learn. They need to be able to say when something is too much or too little and, 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 and be supported through that process. And that's what HR companies and departments really need to focus on you know so person-centered benefits so slightly different benefits again from the traditional ones that you might think but really emphasizing there the whole idea of, of flexibility maybe for different reasons although some people i think flexibility has become more important in all, all levels mm. but it is for different reasons because they've often this is a squeeze generation that has got caring responsibilities above them and below them potentially and that, but recognition is still really important, is what you're saying as well. So they still want to feel valued for what it is that they're doing, the contribution that they're making within the organisation. Absolutely. Just because you want to work part time doesn't mean to say that you've given up on your career aspirations. Just because, um, you know, something's happened within your family doesn't mean to say that you don't want to restart or re-energise your, your contribution to a company. You know, this group of people have done well. Mm. You know, they've done you know things in in the right order generally mm. speaking they are highly skilled but it's a question they're not using all of those skills I mean many years ago I started off in in sales I was really good at sales I loved it and I still love it now but it's not something that I just wanted to do forever yeah and I think that 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 story of the forever career is now diminishing people now want to use all of their careers people don't just have one passion they have lots of passions that give them joy and it's a, about trying to work those in to what they're doing within their jobs so it is also it's about fulfillment isn't it because that's the sort of thing that people decide to leave because they want to take a total change and they want to go and contribute that say sales is a classic example you go oh, i don't want to make money for other people i want to now go and do something that i think is more fulfilling but if mm. you can do that as an organization by giving people days off to go and work in the community or do whatever that might be something if you can find a way of balancing that then hopefully you can get a win-win i guess and keep those people fulfilled people in the organization exactly and sometimes it means that you may want that person may want to go off and do something what you think is unrelated to their work but that person is going to be happy they're going to be grateful or thankful that they've got this opportunity to explore whatever passion it is maybe it might be design or something unrelated but their happiness and their joy translates into what they do in their working time and that's what companies miss. They always think, oh, it has to be another course related to my work. But it doesn't. It has to be something that gives that person joy because joy is infectious. If you enjoy something, you're passionate, you've got energy, you know, you bring that to whatever it is you're doing. If you're miserable and you are, 
you know, you feel hemmed in and you can't voice what you want to do and you feel frustrated and time is, you know, like an egg timer and you see the sands of time, you know, disappearing, then that's you're going to bring that energy to your work as well. It's interesting because I think there's a bit of a leap of faith, though, for an organisation in this. And it's the same thing about allowing people to work remotely or whatever. This whole concept of, oh, if you give people time to go and follow something that they are passionate about, then they might get so passionate about it, they're going to leave. But probably we'd leave anyway. People would leave anyway. It's just an interesting one, isn't it? A happy person doing other stuff means that they then come to work the days they are at work. They are fulfilled and, and contributing that's right I mean that that is an unspoken indirect benefit mm. that a company is going to get because you want happy employees that's what all this employer branding is about look what you can come and do in our organization look how great it is look at the great people but there comes a point when it has to be directed inward and you know you can't be a great um, team leader an inspirational leader if you are unhappy because eventually mm. the cracks are going to show yeah. It's hard to motivate others when you're not motivated yourself. I mean, I always say that the first responsibility for a mid-career person is to be able to lead yourself. And that means, you know, making some of the hard decisions for yourself. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to have a hard time leading and motivating others because you don't really believe what it mm-hmm. is that you're saying. And I think that has a lot to do with personal motivation and personal happiness. So it's interesting because I was going to sort of I was thinking originally when we when we had our pre-chat, we talked a bit about career paths and I'm sure we'll go into talk about that. And and I was thinking that's harder to do in an SME because you don't can't necessarily um, map it out and you haven't got the options because you're a flatter organisation. But in actual fact, the things that we've discussed so far, any size organisation can offer. So it's about it is about recognising people. It's about understanding what really motivates them and giving them flexible hours or working or something in a way which allows them to do something outside of uh, of their sort of nine to five whatever it is maybe it's about you know identifying what really um gives them fulfillment and, and and accommodating whatever responsibilities that they have so it's really about meeting people on their terms isn't it but I suppose if it we go is. the um it's really I don't know, if we, we could look at that in terms of the SME but if we go to the more traditional stuff and, and career paths and if you want to more formally recognise this group, appreciating it might not work for all size organisations, unless you've got some top tips for career paths in SMEs, for example. What would you suggest that you do there if you want to put something in place that's a bit more formal? Well, I think, first and foremost, I think you need to get rid, (laughs) I hate to say this, it's probably quite controversial, but I think the traditional way of assessing people is not really working. Um, I think that it has to be almost like a continuous assessment. So, for example, 360s feedback is incredibly powerful. And I really, you know, I've seen this work in practice. It keeps people um, current. It keeps people um, not fearful at the one, one point of the year where they're going to be judged for everything they have or, or perceived haven't done. And I think that's really good because you, we need to see how others see us and how we see others within that. And then you almost kind of, you're almost on a, on a sort of a wave, you know, a gentle wave of discovery, rather than getting to a point and saying, oh, you know, you haven't done this, that and the other, because you haven't um, been able to identify where that person was, you know, in need of further support or where they were at a low point or anything else. And I think 360s really help with that because it helps people to focus not just on themselves, and how they're perceived, but also um, how other people perceive them. 
as well. Is that because, and the other thing generally, 360 is much more about behaviours or values or sort of in the way people relate to others, um, as opposed to being purely kind of tasks and deliverables. Is that what you, you'd say the difference is and why that's important? Yes, because, I mean, look, everyone has, companies are set up for their various missions and goals. Everybody who works in a company would be familiar with that. Everyone would know about performance and you know what they have to do within that this is not going to be a surprise to them so they will or they won't meet those meet those targets but also as well behaviors you know behaviors are are dictated by how we feel about ourselves our confidence levels whether whether we've got imposter syndrome um, Mm. whether we have a team and we feel supported by our team or our team feel maybe intimidated by us and we don't even realize that because we're dealing with some other issues on the outside Um, And we don't know how that affects others. You know, sometimes we're not as approachable as we think that we might be because we're so busy trying to cover all the things um, that we're overwhelmed with um, instead of thinking, oh, you know, I feel I feel happy. People graduate to people who are happy, open, feel that they're in control. Um, That makes for better team management. That makes for better team dialogue. That makes for you know, better innovation, ideas, risk taking, all those things matter. If you're not um, in that position and you're not catching this early, then this could go on for potentially, I don't know, eight or nine months affecting your team. People think, oh, you know, I'm not really getting the the, um, support that I require from from you as my manager, therefore I'm going to look elsewhere. And then the team starts to... um, recognize that they can't really contribute or they don't feel they're being heard you don't have time for them and so it goes on and that's why 360 in terms of behavior is is so powerful it's also it's personalized isn't it that's the other thing that about it it's not generic and this group of people it, you don't want a one-stop fits that's uh, you know one-size-fits-all development it's very personal to you and, and actually you know that self-awareness it promotes it might be slightly different based on who you're interacting you know in one period of time in in six months time you might get slightly different feedback so it's much more current and personalized um which I think probably fits with what you're saying as well it's people they don't want to just be ignored it's about something that is personal exactly I mean this group will have certain characteristics um of course they will which I've already described earlier but Mm. everyone's got a personal story and sometimes it's too personal to bring to work and you don't want to get it to a point of crisis and then have to manage that crisis and I think that's what HR teams really need to avoid and so that it's almost like that continuous um a vehicle so that they can actually they're actually hearing people not just the, the once a year um review and how great we are to work or the you know what I call the the, the hotel lobby area so that everyone thinks you're a great company and you're getting great reviews on on these review sites etc because there's a real um there's a different experience for everybody even in even in you know well-known companies where that where where people think they're kind of like gold standard I'd love to work there but I've worked in a couple of these companies and it's about the people that make that experience great or not as the case may be yeah, that's such a good point. I was just thinking about that because it actually will be about who's managing them, right? Isn't it? It's, it's the experience that they've Absolutely. got with their line manager. Um, and of course, that's paid forward. And I, and I think the other thing at this stage, a, a person, is that um, maybe you want a line manager who uh, supports you being where you are, helps you to sort of contribute, stretch, um, you know, recognises you for the contribution you're doing without necessarily 
either being threatened by you wanting to go up the ladder or actually thinking that it's not a good thing if you go actually I don't want to go any further up I'm really happy where I am but I want to carry on performing it's being able to get the best out of people um, wherever they choose to be at this stage in their life don't you because it is about this whole multifaceted life um, that people have it's not just about it's definitely not about um, living to work it's much more about working to live at this stage yeah, and I think HR HR departments within organisations expect managers, on top of everything else, to coach their teams. And they're not necessarily, that's not necessarily what they want to do. They haven't mm-hmm. necessarily been um, promoted into that role for their coaching skills. Now, obviously, the best managers and leaders will have those, those skills maybe in abundance, but it's not a natural thing. And I think also as well, that puts the leaders under a lot of pressure. And mm-hmm. that's why really there is a job for coaches to come in and um, to support not only the managers but also to support the teams because a coach will be able to um, really get under the skin of what is going on within an organisation or a group of people um, who are and they're not necessarily underperforming but it's the fact of the matter you can start to see the patterns where things are falling down and you can, you, you know, you can course correct. You don't really want to be in a position where you're trying to coach a whole team that are so far gone that basically you're going to be starting over and you're going to have to make some really tough decisions about who's leading that team and, and how that team is structured. That is not what you want to go to. You want to be it's preventative. Yeah. And that's why mid-career professionals are such a valuable group right now with those skills. Once those skills are gone, they're gone and they're yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah. Um, either to your competitors or they're coming up the market and they're setting up themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep that group happy, you really need to understand where their thinking is and to also course correct and give them what they need before it comes to a crisis point. Very good. So we're basically saying if you want to be proactive about the great resignation, then one place don't overlook your mid-career if, if, or even maybe start with your people who are in that mid-career, meet them where they are in terms of understanding um, what they really want. And as you're saying, sort of course correct things. So prevention is much better than cure. It's much harder to get them back and, and they'll, they'll be expensive to recruit as well, won't they? These sort of people. So it's not easy to bring those skills in. They may not be available um, and, and they don't come cheap either. And then exactly. Your things here also about, we talked about flexibility, we've talked about recognition, talked about 360 feedback, so development, helping people have that personalised support and development. Anything else that we haven't, or maybe we did say giving people opportunities to do things outside of work, whether it's volunteering or that kind of links into the flexibility, but maybe that whole thing about fulfilment, helping people feel fulfilled as well. Yeah, I mean, we need to recognise that some people who are really great at their job, no longer, for example, want to run a team and not see that as a point of failure, but see the fact that, oh, we've got individual contributors, high functioning individual contributors, and we can foster those people within the organisation because that's what we can still use their skills and they're still going to be motivating and doing all sorts of other things just by their enthusiasm. Um, And I think, you know, we're talking about, um, empathy we're talking about really recognizing people for who they are now I, I pr- appreciate that some HR professionals are going to be thinking well that's not going to be possible for you know huge departments but it is it all starts off with the management it all starts off with the leadership it all starts off with you know having a voice and then when you've um, voiced you know the issues what is actually going to be done so that that person's not having that conversation with you on their exit interview 
Absolutely. So so nip it in the bud, spot this early. You've, you're flagging this as a potential issue that can turn around and um, bite us. These people are so valuable. Yeah. And, you know, the recruitment of, of these types of people, you know, finding them, onboarding them, you know, then expecting them to perform. You know, you're probably looking at eight or nine months before they're really going to be able to, you know, um, really contribute to the, to the organisation in the way that you want. Do you want to do that when you've already got these people here now? Yeah. So people really need to start looking within their own pool, really think about how you can really bring those people on, not just uh, what I call the top racehorses, the obvious people, but the people sort of beneath them and and have a kind of a learning and development environment because the company can only win yeah absolutely because that and that's really valid it almost takes us into another area but we won't carry on today but that whole (laughs) area the mid performers right the people who you're solid performers it's all very well having you like say racehorses but those solid performers are the ones that is the h20 they're delivering the h percent so if we can keep them motivated or tweak them to develop their skills that little bit then it's totally going to um, provide competitive advantage but it's so easy to overlook isn't it it's almost yes. you take for granted what you've got um, and that's probably the abiding message is don't overlook your mid-career people get the most out of them engage with them um, and, and, and meet them on their terms yeah exactly I mean it's like I mean, I'm going to use a sales analogy which is called the, like the leaky bucket syndrome most companies are really focused on new business so what they want to do is fill that bucket all the time when actually 80 percent of their you know revenue is coming from 20 percent of their clients that they already have yeah yeah and they don't give enough time and that's when people leave because it's like they don't feel special anymore they don't feel value they don't get the you know that they don't they don't get the the discounts the bargains the you know the um the white glove treatment anymore because it's like oh you're part of the furniture well that's how your staff and employees feel when they feel ignored, unappreciated, taken for granted, overloaded, um, not listened to, all of those things. And then that's when they move yeah. or switch off and go. So, Selena, you obviously work, just I suppose in summary, if you were going in, obviously you work on a one-to-one with people, but if you were going into an organisation to help them, as you'd coach them, what would you actually do if you go in? Well, I run, I, basically I run um, team workshops um so we and then followed up really with kind of one-to-one sessions um also as well I help people to put their own career pathways together so I have a a program called find your brilliant um you know simple strategies to put your career plan together in 30 days so that's something you can do you know on your own by yourself an individual you can do it yeah yeah, an individual can do that because really people who are mid-careers themselves right so exactly and you know the career planning is something that people shy away from because they always assume that if you mention about career planning if you don't have those roles then that person's going to go outside but you have to have the conversation so career planning sessions are really important because also they show up uh, weaknesses in the in the structure because obviously if you haven't if you've got a whole lot of people here and they think well, where next yeah. that conversation has to be opened up where is next for these people is there something that we can do or are we saying that you get to a certain level and really we we, we can't you know we can't have that conversation with you any further and you'd be better off moving to somewhere else and if that's the conversation that's fine but it's that recognition and not being frightened to have those conversations it's when things are hidden and people can't talk about things that's when the frustration happens 
You're so right, because I think if you look at actually engagement stats and, and things, it's actually people want opportunities to learn and grow. It's not necessarily about climbing the ladder as such, because that's maybe more, more, more about achievement or it's a different driver. But if people, and I think, again, often traditionally organisations might feel a bit fearful if you're in a flatter organisation, oh, I can't possibly talk to someone about where they want to go because there's no job for them and no one's leaving. But actually talking to people about where they want to go, it can be horizontal, it could be just different skills, what do you want to learn? That in itself, that conversation is engaging. And even acknowledging that you're actually, well, if you do want to be the next MD, the reality is, um, you know, that's probably not going to happen for this amount of time, but we can work with you over the next 18 months to get the best out of you and, you know, help you develop those skills. And while that person's there motivated and engaged within the organisation, we're all winning in those circumstances. It's not being scared, is it? It's actually facing up to those conversations and, and having them and um, being upfront about them. Exactly. And I think to a certain extent, and I will, you know, uh, I think McKinsey is a great company for this because they have a, you know, a very well-oiled alumni and pe- people leave the company, but they, are, they don't really leave the company. They're always feeding back into the company with uh, jobs and uh, opportunities for others. And you'll find that um, people who are in McKin- McKinsey then go on to other you know, client companies, big jobs, but they're always in that kind of network. And that's how you really want your people to feel about you speak well of your the experience they're having at the company no matter whether it's the end of the line for them but they can speak well and say well this was great for uh, two or three really good development points in my career and I would highly recommend somebody come into that company to do these things or I can be an individual uh, contributor uh, in that company or I can write my own job description for a very particular project or um team building exercise or um, managing a particular client issue or customer service issue or whatever it is operational side and allow people because sometimes your your highest contributors will, will see a role right there but they haven't got time to do it themselves or they think I'd really love to do that because that's the job that really needs to be done rather than the job that's on my job description yeah so Selena, if people want to get in touch with you and maybe talk to you personally about mid-career mentorship or, or coming in and talking to their teams, how would they find you? They can find me at themidcareermentor.com Brilliant. and they can also um, find me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very uh, active on LinkedIn, so please um, drop me a message and connect with me there. Or you can follow me on Quora.com, which is a question and answer site where I give free um, careers advice and I have a sort of quite a large following of over 40,000 people on there so you can also follow me for free advice there you can also find me on Twitter as well doing the odd tweet or two <laughs> so, um, anyone who's following on Quora I'm going to go find you after this podcast <laughs> that sounds very important. Yeah, the, the, the mid-career mentor <laughs> brilliant yeah. So we'll put these links in the show notes for people um, if they if you didn't get all of those. But I can testify definitely. I found we met through LinkedIn, didn't we? So you're definitely easy to find on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the HR Uprising podcast, Selena, and opening my eyes to a, an area, um, you know, another area that I'd not thought of in terms of being key success um, area or area to focus on for HR professionals. So um, I'm really grateful to you for opening our eyes here. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. 
It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.